Don't lie. Some of you want to put on your leg warmers after that music and <laughs> pop your collar. I heard that 80s music and I was just, you know, having a good time. Well, welcome to Gateway Church. My name is Carlos. I'm the campus pastor here at our North Campus. Uh, we just want to welcome you. So glad you're here. Uh, we're doing a little bit, uh, things a little bit different today. So if you're, again, if you're coming back from Easter or you're new, so glad you've joined us. Uh, again, really quick, it's important for you to connect. And not do life alone. Here we are talking about relationships in this series. It's really important for you to connect. If you're watching online, it's really easy. Gatewaychurch.com forward slash connect. If you're in the room on your way out, uh, we have what's called connect spots. And, and I'm telling you, I say this every week because it, it, it really does make a difference. You're not the only one who's new and trying to connect. So we have this thing called Starting Gate. We have all sorts of things that are coming up. Uh, so just connect. Give us the opportunity, again, the privilege to know your name. And, and this, this community, again, if you're new, this is not for you. But if you are uh, part of Gateway and you call Gateway home, uh, whether you're, again, you're online or in the room, being part of our community means also being generous with time and serving, making a difference with kids and students and also with your resources. And we can do so much more, I say this all the time again, together than we can ever do apart. So thank you for those of you who have joined us on that journey towards generosity. It's really important. If you haven't quite yet, it's okay. Start today. We make it easy, make it seamless. All the information is on the screen for you to do that. And then last week, we, we do have a resource that's kicking off this week. It's our podcast. You kind of saw a little highlight there. My wife and I are doing week one, um, talking about communication. Uh, but in this series about healthy relationships, we wanted to give you a resource that you could push play on, listen to, watch. It's both video and you can just listen to it. Uh, as you're you know, driving down the freeway, instead of getting mad at the person in front of you, you can talk about, you know, learn something on that 30-minute drive commute. It's a really easy podcast, very practical little supplement the weekend messages. So I want you to encourage you to do that. And we are in this healthy relationship series. We're kicking it off this week. And this week we've titled it, It's Complicated. It's complicated. Well, one, relationships are complicated in and of themselves. And, and I also want to be very clear. We're not just talking about dating romantic relationships. We're talking about all kinds of relationships. Who you interact with, who you have a relationship with. It might be a working relationship. It might be a parental relationship. It might be a grandparent relationship. It might be that you're leading up to mom and dad. It could be anything. It could be a, your, your classmates. It could be whatever it is. Relationships are complicated. And what really makes it complicated is communication around those relationships. How do I communicate? What does it mean to communicate? And really some of those questions for us today is what, is, what does God say about communication? I mean, really does Scripture talk about communication? And the answer is yes. Yeah, scripture does talk about communication and relationships and what does this mean to you. So we're going to dive into that today and what does it mean for us and what does it mean for other people in communication and what is healthy communication in God's eyes. So that's what we're going to learn. But before we do, I want to kind of give you a little bit of a, of a backstory. You know, anytime you're preparing a message, you do research. And of course, you, your main thing you, you study is the Bible, is scripture and, and some theology. But then there's also this nuance of culture. What does it mean for us today and now? And really trying to interpret that without changing the meaning of the scripture. So as I was doing that, I came across uh, this, this woman who's at Drexel University. Her name is Ann Converse Wilcom. And she's a department head for graduate stu studies. And the reason why she got my attention is because social scientists have said for a long time there's, there's various forms of communication. And that's nothing new. But she was talking about there's five kinds of communication. And really think about that. Think about the relationships you have. Do you, do you walk in five types of communication with the people you say you care about? Uh, probably not. 
And, and she says, number one, there's, there's a verbal communication. And, and I want to stop real quick. Some of us who are, who are introverts are thinking communication like, oh, great, here we go. Talking about communication. I don't want to talk to anybody. And those of you who are extroverts are like, that's right. You need to tell those introverts. We've got to start communicating better. And we got to, here's, here's the good and the bad news for both sides. Uh, you're going to find some things today that are like, yes, that lines up with who I am. And they're going to find this other part that's going to be like, oh, yeah, I've got work to do. Because we all have work to do. Because relationships and communication are complicated. So here we go. Number one is verbal communication. It is how we engage with one another. Whether it's face-to-face, on the telephone, Zoom or Skype or coffee or in the office or at home or at the dinner table. It's these face-to-face verbal interactions that we have with people where we use words. Right? We use our, our verbal communication. Number two are nonverbal communication. It's communication that includes facial expressions, posture, eye contact, hand movements, and touch. There's nonverbal communication. Uh, we got a message this week from one of our ASL, American Sign Language interpreters, at one of our campuses. Um, and, and she said this. I'm just going to read it verbatim how she sent it to us. She says, ASL is made up of 18 hand shapes. I didn't even know that. Uh, where you place your hands and your hand orientation can also change the meaning. ASL also has heavily relies on facial expressions, body shifts, movements, and non-manual markers, language indicators not using your hands. Examples of non-manual markers are eyebrow raising. How many of you do that when you talk? Hmm. Uh, I, I said this a long time ago here. Like I have this, this little crease in my face. I call it my face butt crack. It's right here. And if you've never noticed, it's right there. So somebody tells my daughter actually, not somebody, my daughter is like, you should get Botox. I was like, I actually want to have a facial expression. So I'm not going to do that. Um, eyebrow raising, lowering such as, uh, and asking questions and different mouth movements. That might look like pursed lips or even the wiggling of your tongue can indicate a far distance. Oh my goodness, what are we communicating? It's complicated. Verbal, nonverbal. Then there's written communication. Whether it's an email, a memo, a report, a Facebook post, a tweet, a contract, all forms of written communication have the same goal to disseminate information in a clear and concise manner, though that objective is often not what? Achieved. How many times have you sent that text message and you're like, somebody just read it wrong? Right? It's like, oh, that should have been a phone call. Right? Oh, I should have sent the voice memo instead. Or how many times have you read somebody's text message wrong? I do that all the time. Especially when my, my kids want to call me and they want to do something. They know they should call me for that thing and they're just going to text me instead. You know what I'm talking about? If you're a teenager, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. I know you can't find the, the phone icon on your phone to call us. So it's easier just to use your thumbs. I'm like, this, this warrants a conversation. You know, my daughter would normally say, there's one in particular. She's like, oh, forget it. She's like, you never listen to me. Written communication. Number four is listening. Listening is a form of communication. Some of you are like, huh? Exactly. Some of us don't have the muscle of listening. It's the act of listening actively. To really hear what somebody's saying so that our response 
is warranted. The right response is warranted. Have you ever been in a circular conversation with somebody? And after about 20 minutes, you're like, we're not even having the same conversation. Because neither person is listening to the other person. And then the fifth thing, which is really important in our modern eras, is visual communication. And she, I love how she talks about this. She goes, we're a visual society, and the advent of streaming, television, and social media has magnified this truth. So we have televisions running 24-7. We have Facebook that's available 24-7. We have Instagram, TikTok, all these things available 24-7. So the images we put out, the advertisements we see, all of it is this ongoing conversation. So when you send that video to your friend, you're communicating something. When you send that meme to somebody, you're communicating something. There's this visual communication taking place. And here's how she ends the article. I think it's really important. She says this. We communicate continually throughout each and every day. And we do it without thinking. We operate on communication autopilot. However, I encourage you to think about how you communicate. And understanding how you communicate is the first step to communicating more effectively. So it starts with us. I know we think it's about our partner, our friend, our roommate, our teacher, whatever that might be, but it really starts with us. And so we're going to do today, out of those five elements that she talks about, we're only going to cover two. One, for time, and and the second one is this. Scripture clearly talks about two of these. Listening and speaking. So we're going to go to James chapter 1, verse 19. It says this, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So when the Bible says, take note of this, we're supposed to what? Take note of it. Everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Say it again. Everyone. everyone. That means you too. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. James knows that communication a lot of times leads to anger. Always, not always, can often lead to disagreement. In verse 20, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And, and if, if you're new to faith, if you're, if you're seeking out faith, or maybe you have said, I'm a believer, but you're growing in your faith. When we grow in our faith in Jesus Our exploration of faith helps us understand Jesus more. Here's what we begin to learn. That Jesus helps us come to terms with a few things. That we learn inevitably and understand that as we embrace God, that God sees the world working and operating very differently than the way we as humans have cultivated it. It's this topsy-turvy And many times as you grow in your faith or you're exploring Jesus or you are are trying to grow as a human, as a person of faith, you begin to realize, man, I had this whole thing upside down. And in communication, we see that very clearly. So we're going to talk about two points. Really simple, very difficult to live out. And I equate to this. When you go to the doctor and you pay your $25, $30, $40, $50 copay, and you sit in front of your doctor, man, I'm not feeling good. I got something wrong with me. And they tell you this. You may have heard this before. If you're a little younger, maybe you haven't heard this quite yet. The doctor says, you know, I really am just going to prescribe two things. One, I just really should really watch your diet and exercise. I paid you 50 bucks to tell me what I could have read on the internet. Here's the question, though. If you could read it on the internet, why didn't you do it? 
And we want the doctor to prescribe that place that will go and freeze that 10 pounds we, we, we gained during COVID. You see all those commercials, freeze it off. Don't change your diet. Just take this pill, eat like you want. It just melts away. By the way, it affects your heart 10 years from now. Never mind that. Diet and exercise, simple. And the prescription that scripture is going to give us, and you're going to hear it, is it's simple. It's two steps. And yet how difficult is it for us in relationship to actually walk out these two things? It's difficult for all of us. So everybody take a deep breath. Get ready. Everybody's going to get hard today, no matter who you are. Number one, be quick to listen. And the reason why that's important in Scripture is because God models for us how to be listeners. Psalm 18, 3-6 says this. David says this. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Huh? A lot of praise, right? So shall I be saved from my enemies. Verse 4. The cords of death encompass me. I read like it's a, like a commercial for a movie, right? The torrents of chaos overwhelmed me. The cords of shoal entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. And in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry for his help reached his ears. There are countless stories where people in Scripture are saying, God heard my cry. God as listener is important because God sets the standard for us as we interact in relationship with people. And I imagine God listening to us, interacting with us, and I hope you know God wants to interact with you. God can be found. God wants to have a relationship with you and I. And I imagine him being a good father, a really good father, with a bunch of whiny kids. You ever been to the store and the kid's just whining and that parent's just so patient with them? You're like, gosh, if that were me, I'd be going nuts right now. But God's like, he's a good father. I saw this video that went viral, uh, I think about a year ago. And when I was preparing this, I thought, this is how I imagine God with us. All right, so watch this video. Did you understand it though? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh -huh. Oh, no, not, not this one. This is, this is the grand finale of this. Okay, the last Yeah, that's the last one. That's what I was wondering. I don't know what they're going to do next season because they did some stuff this time. Exactly what I was thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, don't bring that in. You know what I'm saying? Don't do the same stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, go somewhere else with that, but don't break it here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what I said. And then it was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really? I thought the same thing. <laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? <laughs> That's crazy. Guys, that is us. 
You think you're like eloquent in your prayer. Oh, God in heaven. You know what God hears? Blah, 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 blah. And we're just speaking gibberish and God just wants time with you. He wants to be present with you. He wants to listen to you. And God is so gracious and gracious enough that he continues the conversation because he delights in spending time with you. What a good dad. His name is DJ Pryor. What a good dad that he would sit there and have this conversation with his kid and his kid's like, oh yeah, I'm talking to my dad. We're on the same page. My dad understands my jokes. My dad is interacting with me. He's not saying anything. <laughs> and DJ is relishing the moment as a father and just sitting there and listening and engaging and letting the conversation be led by his toddler. And that sparks a lot of joy in us because all of us have that need to be that toddler. That need to be listened to. And yet as we grow in maturity, whether it's age or spirituality or experience, are we offering that same gift to someone else? The gift of listening. So God models for us it's important to be listeners. And then it's also important to be quick to listen because listening puts the other person first. Listening puts the other person first. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Love that, right? The English, English Standard Version actually says it like this. And I think a little bit closer to the, to the heart of the passage. It says this, Let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. If, if love is love, it needs to be a two-way street, right? It needs to be two ways, not one way. So you speak and you listen. It's both. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection and outdo one another in showing honor. I'll be honest with you, I'm not good at receiving compliments. There are times somebody wants to compliment something with like me or my kids or my wife, and I'm not good at receiving that, and I want to just turn around and compliment them. Oh, I love, love this, or I love that. And, and my wife says, sometimes you just need to sit in that because a relationship is two ways. It's, it's honoring one another. And you know that feeling when you first start, you know, liking somebody or dating somebody? Like, yeah, I remember when I was 16, I fell in love with, what's your name? It's not just 16-year-olds. What if you're 66? Some of you are widows or widowers or divorced, and I see you guys flirting in the courtyard. <laughs> I, I see you. Because that first feeling is awesome. You're amazing. No, you're amazing. You hang up. No, you hang up. I love you. No, I love you. You're the best. No, you're the best. And if you're the parent listening to the kid do that, you're like, shut up already and go to bed. You're not going to feel that way after 10 years of marriage. <laughs> right? We get disgruntled. But why can't it be that way? Why do we lose that? Because along the way, somewhere, we're doing all the talking or we're doing all the listening. And we lose the value of that relationship we held on to so closely early on. And this happens in friendships. This happens in school relationships. This, is all, this isn't just romantic. This is in life. We honor one another. We make the other person 
not just feel important, but know they're important, so we listen. And the third reason why we listen is because listening removes unnecessary emotions. Everywhere, everywhere in culture, we're talking about being triggered, being triggered, being triggered. Well, sometimes we trigger ourselves. Yes, I said it. It's not always the other person triggering us. Sometimes you trigger yourself and I trigger myself because we're not actually listening to what the person's actually saying. So listening removes unnecessary emotions. It gets us on the same page with that person. It, it helps us not assume that we understand what the other person meant. It gives us context to what the other person actually said. It gives the other person room to verbally process and make adjustments. I've been in conversations with Ports before, especially at work, oversee a large team here at Gateway, and somebody will say something, and instead of getting upset about it or just calling them out why they were wrong, there are times I'll stop and I'll look at somebody and say, hey, would you like to rephrase that? And just giving them grace. Instead of saying and preparing my argument on how to come back, hey, you know what? I know you're verbally processing right now. That's really cool. But do you, would you, do you want to come back to this? And every once in a while somebody will say, no, I meant what I said. Okay, I gave you an opportunity. Now here's my rebuttal. But most times, you know what happens in that conversation? Somebody will say, yeah, I don't think I meant it that way. And listening extends grace. It removes unnecessary emotion to a potential bigger argument. And that's why God tells us, be quick to listen. Be quick to listen. Our initial posture should be to listen. And I know it's difficult, especially if you're a school teacher and you've got 25 kids saying, ma'am, ma'am, miss, ma'am, ma'am, bathroom, and all day long, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how teachers, like they're my heroes. I have one kid who does that. And I literally just go outside sometimes. My son was tapping me on the shoulder the other day. Dad, 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 dad. You know, if, let me get off this phone call. And I'll give you, dad, dad, dad. And I went outside. And I held the door. He's banging on the door. <laughs> I'm, I gave you the whole house. I went outside. Got off the phone. And you know what he told me? He just said, I just need a snack. Why didn't you say that? but I wasn't in a position to truly listen. Granted, I was on a phone call. Yes, I had to do that. But how many times do we do that? You grow in frustration and the person just wants a snack. Listening is our first posture. So number one, we listen. I told you it's gonna be simple. Number two, understand the, the message. It's the easiest part. Slow to speak. We're slow to speak. And a lot of times in scripture, uh, especially, you know, a lot of pastors like myself, we will take a passage and then we'll try to illuminate on it and do all this talking around it. And there's sometimes there's certain passages that really teach themselves. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to read a passage. We're going to read it together and it's going to be pretty long. But here's what's going to happen. The passage is going to actually teach the point for us. All right. So here we go. James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. Here's what it says. Not many of you or us, should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And what he's saying there is you're going to be judged more strictly because you're using words, right? So when you use words, you're accountable for the words is the context. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault is what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Verse 3. 
When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Verse 5. And likewise, the tongue. Here we go. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So just cut out your tongue. No, it's not in there. (laughs) But he's trying to really set a precedent that the words you use really can do a lot of damage to people's lives. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. Verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Why? Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father And after we praise God, and with it we curse human beings who've been made in God's likeness. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce water. Our tongue can cause us to live a life that's a double standard. Where we live one way and we speak another. Or we speak one thing and we never follow up with it. It's really important for understand the reason why we listen first and we slowly speak is because this thing in our mouth called the tongue really can cause a lot of problems. That's why in Scripture there are 126 verses that refer to the tongue. 126. And they range from building up people and praising God to tearing down people and causing wars. I did did this little, you know, non-scientific thing this last week. I went around and asked some people that I know, is the tongue a muscle or an organ? And I want you to answer in your own mind, is it a muscle or an organ? And I got, I got answers on both sides. And can I tell you the truth? The, the tongue is this. It's called the muscular organ. <laughs> Did you know that a tongue has eight muscles in it? Eight muscles! And it has five five functions for the anatomy. Mastication which helps you to chew and all that kind of stuff. Taste, swallowing, speech, and clearing the oral cavity. Some of you are like, "Mm, I know of another function with the tongue. Y'all nasty. Stop thinking about that. (laughs) Gross. That's between you and whoever. So the tongue is a great metaphor for our verbal communication. It's complicated. Eight muscles, five functions. 126 verses. It can cause the, world, go to the, cause the world to go on fire. How many times do you watch the news and it says, so-and-so tweeted this? Our words have repercussions. 
And this communication takes on various forms. And because of the complexity of our tongue, it's important to truly listen first. And then with prudence and right timing, choose the words that best set up our counterpart and us in the conversation. How many times have you had to take a deep breath before you while you're in a conversation and somebody is saying things and you're just listening and you have a choice to make, right? And the choice is, I could say what I really want to say and it would feel really good. But then I'm going to be up till two in the morning in this argument. Or I could walk with patience and prudence and say the thing that needs to be said and help this relationship move forward. And how many times in our strength do we do the right thing? And how many times in our weakness do we do the wrong thing? And we pay that price. This is every relationship. You can't just say what you want. I don't have an answer to this or resolve, but last night at dinner, my daughter, I have a tattoo that I got with my best friend years ago, and and, and my daughter had a picture on her phone, and it was my best friend and I getting the tattoo. It's like 13 years ago. And not my best friend, but my best friend in college. And, and, she, and she said, when's the last time you hung out with him? And I said, you know, it's been a long time. She goes, why? I said, I don't know, but I think I did something. Because he's not returning my phone calls. Won't get back to me on text. And my wife at the table said, yeah, you must have done something. And how many times in our communication with our friendships, our relationships, our parents, something is done or said, and maybe you don't even know you said what you said or did what you did, and yet it has affected the relationship. It has caused heartache. I love my friend. And how many times have you been in that situation? How many times has it been done to you? And that's why Scripture says, slow to speak. And it follows up quick to listen. And there's so many times in Scripture we see this pattern that Jesus sets for us. And the pattern is just that Jesus gets bombarded with questions and comments, theological quandaries. And he follows this pattern, Jesus does, right? Because Jesus is now getting a little famous and these crowds are following him. And so these people who are religious are like, well, what about this? What about this religious thing? What about this thing? And what about this question? They're trying to corner Jesus. And you know what Jesus does in response? Nothing. And it's frustrating people. He sits there. And he listens. Because listening disarms the conversation. Listening makes a complex situation seem a little bit clearer. Just listen. Actively listen. And then he slowly responds. And he doesn't always respond the way they want him to respond. Sometimes he responds by moving the, the conversation here or moving the conversation there. And he's not trying to redirect and avoid the situation. What he's trying to say is, I think you mean this, so let's move the conversation over here. And he sets a pattern for us. And yet, here is how God is described in Psalm 145. And this should be our goal in our relationships, especially when it's complicated and we're trying to communicate. Is this. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all, and he has compassion in all he has made. Can you imagine if you're at work, you imagine with your roommate, 
or your classmates, somebody were to say, Jim, Jim is gracious and compassionate. And Keisha, she's slow to anger and rich in love. And, 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 and Tim is good to all and he's compassion for everybody he comes in contact with. You see, I know it sounds corny a little bit and yet that is what the standard is for us that wherever you go that people would say he's kind, he listens, he's compassionate and I know that's not always popular. I know some of us weren't raised in a generation where that happened. We we're about drive and accomplishing and yet scripture tells us this is the standard. This is the standard of relationship. To be gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all, compassionate on all he's, all he's made. And our slow response, let me tell you what it does when you slowly respond. When you slowly respond, it takes the sting out of a particular conversation. When you slowly respond, it lowers the rising tide of anger. When you listen first, it disarms the other person from an emotional barrage of words that they cannot take back and you cannot unhear. I know I'm asking you to take the proverbial high road here. I know I'm asking you to, to listen first and to be gracious even if the other person is not. But can you imagine if we all took that road? Can you imagine what the world could look like? Can you imagine what your home, your, your roommates, your, your, your fraternity, can you imagine what your workplace could look like if we all lived like this? We're gracious and our communication was filled with grace and listening and wise words that followed. The complexity of relationship could be simplified and somebody's got to start it. Somebody has to start it. Why can't it be you? Why can't it be you? I don't care if you're 15 or 55, if you're the kid or the grandparent, if you're the boss or the low level employee, it can start with anyone. Because God has called you to live like this. What, could it, what would it look like to be part of healing through our ability to communicate with the world that is hurting? Not just our world, your world is hurting. Your relationships are hurting. Your friends are hurting. Your coworkers are hurting. Your parents are hurting. Your kids are hurting. Your nieces and nephews, the world that God has called you to be a part of, people are hurting. And what if we would stop talking and listen and what if some of us who need a listening ear actually begin to communicate? Your response could literally change someone's life. A couple months ago, a friend of mine came to visit. And he wanted just to be a gateway. He wanted to be a part of a service and see the staff and just be, you know, really encouraged. And so he came and he walked the streets of Austin. He was here for four days. And at the very end, we sat down for lunch because I just want you to know that, man, I love your church, the people, your mission, what you're trying to do. Man, the city... I could see why the world is talking about Austin and everybody around the world is moving here. I could see it, but I hope you know, Carlos, I hope you know I walked the streets of Austin and I interacted with people and I talked to people at coffee shops and you gotta know for all of the glare, all, all of the, the fun and all of the, the music and the artistry and the, the water and the food, for all of that, Carlos, I hope you know that you have a city that's really lonely. But you have a city that's really broken. And I really have only one question to close this out. One question. With all that's going on, 
with all that people are trying to say, with all the posts and the marches and the singing and the television shows and the news broadcasts, with all the words being spoken, with all of the vices and the language that are bombarding us, here's my question, my real question. Here's the question that most people in your life are probably asking about you and me. Is anybody actually listening?